All right. Uh, today we're in for just an amazing treat. Uh, if you're new to our church since August, in August we sent two of our senior leaders, two of our pastors uh, to, to obey and honor the word that God had spoken to them and what God had called them to do. And so we, we sent pastors Chris and Chelsea into Texas, into the country of Texas, um, to be a part of Lifestyle Christianity with Todd White. And they're still, you know, a part of us on our leadership team. But this is home for them. And so it's awesome to have them back home with us and for Chris to come and share the word this morning. So let's welcome Pastor Chris as he comes to share the word. Hi, Grandma. The most important guest in the whole room sitting next to the next most important, my mom, and then my dad, and then my sister, Sarah. Oh, Dave. That's my, he's not my brother-in-law. He's actually my brother, Dave. So, Grandma, this message is for you. I love you so much. Okay, we'll cry later. Okay. It's the first time I've seen my grandma since I've been back, so. You guys ready? Oh, Scott. You are just as important. <laughs> and Jeffrey and Bryce. Oh my gosh. Rachel and Larry. Okay, I gotta stop. All right, we gotta preach. I love you guys so much. I, I really feel today that God has a word that could actually bring a shift to your life. I really believe that. I, I don't ever just wanna share a message for the s sake of sharing a message. I don't wanna, I don't wanna like try to go into and read the Bible to get a message to preach to you. I wanna live a message and let my life be a message and then get up and talk about it. I think we need to become the message, not preach messages. It's just way better, it's way more effective. So today, um, if you guys could put the title up there for me, uh, we're, we're gonna talk about what, it's coming. We're gonna talk about uh, what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about beholding Jesus Christ. And, and, and Christianity is not about behaving. Everybody say behaving. If we're, if we're not careful, we make Christianity about following a list of rules. Okay, and, and if you live that way, rule-based, you will not be a very happy Christian, and you won't be a very good Christian. You won't be, because you can't, you, you can't truly um, be, be, be a Christian full-time everywhere you go if you're trying to follow rules. It's not going to happen. Hey, have you, have you ever drove a car before and there's a cop car behind you and you like drive worse when there's a cop car behind you? Okay, just me? You're like swerving, going too fast, too slow. You just like, you're like, anybody else? Okay, okay, we, we, I got a witness. Can I get a witness? All right. And, and oftentimes that's how we live our Christian life. We're trying to behave uh, and follow a list of rules, but it, it couldn't be further away from that. It's all about beholding. And so this morning, we're going to read the Christmas story, and, and I'm going to show you something out of the word that God showed me this last week um, that I, I really feel like it's going to bless you, and, and I hope that it actually takes you to a new place with God. I hope that it takes you to a new place with God. So let's pray and uh, just believe God today that something will actually be caught, not taught. Most of Christianity is about catching truth and, and versus being taught something. There's too many hireling pastors and leaders. 
they, they, they graduate from Bible college, they've never really seen God or know God, and then they get up and they just regurgitate like, and, and just give you information that they've never really lived, and it's very dangerous. So they're actually political pastors. Every week they're running for a new office. I'm actually not here trying to run for office, and I really don't care what you think about me, and I really love you. But many pastors are running for office every Sunday. And so they try to find this next great revelation to give you and so that you would applaud them and pat them on their back and we never really do the Christian life right. So I pray today that there's actually a transformation that takes place in your heart. Amen? So Father, I thank you that you're here. God, I thank you that you love each and every one of these people that have come here today. God, I thank you that they're desiring to know you more. So, Father, come and speak clearly through your word this morning. Uh, God, bring revelation to every person that hears. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to start in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. I apologize, we don't have the notes up there, so use your cell phones, your iPads, or your Bible, all right? Your Bible's in those things, so... Okay, in Luke 2, verse 8, it says, And in the same region there were some shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold. Say behold. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. And he's pleased with you. Amen? He's pleased with you guys. When the angels went away from them into heaven, that just blows my mind. <laughs> when the angels left and went to heaven, we just read over it like it's a fairy tale. It really happened, by the way. When the angels departed, the shepherds said one to another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see. Everybody say see. Say, say it with a little more punch. See. Okay, good. This is what it's all, this is what it's all about. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph. So many messages in this. Lord, help me. Just stay to the one. And the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, say, saw it. They made known the saying that he had told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard, say heard, and seen. There you go, you guys got it. Heard and seen, as it had been told to them. My, my fear is that too many Christians have only heard. They've actually never seen that we've only heard, but we've never seen. And you see the shepherds, they hear, but then it says they made haste and they went to see. 
So many Christians, if we're living in what we've heard, then all of a sudden the gospel and the Christmas story be becomes about a historical figure in history and we try to follow his rules and behave them. But what we need to do as Christians is we need to hear and then go and see for ourselves. So the, the Christmas story is all about beholding. It has nothing to do about behaving. They went and they saw with their eyes. They went and saw with their eyes. The, 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 the Christian message is so simple and we way overcomplicated. It's, it's Hebrews 10 verse 16. It, sa it says this. This is the new covenant. Say new covenant. Okay, the old covenant was the Ten Commandments, right? Everybody know that guy named Moses? I like him. He's a cool guy. And he goes up on the mountain to meet with, the, with God, and there's fire and smoke. And, and he comes down with these, with these tablets, and he said, behave. If you don't want to meet with me, then try to be like me. See, what was on those, on those tablets of stone wasn't the law of God. It was actually the nature of God. It was actually God saying, if you, if you don't want to do this with me, then here, this is who I am. I don't murder, I don't covet, and he's down the list. Here, this is, what it look, this is, what my this is who I am. Right? God's not in heaven trying to follow his rules. <laughs> and then at the end of the night, the angels go, oh, he's, he went to bed. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. No, he is by nature holy. So old covenant, the new covenant is Hebrews 10, 16. It's, it's God himself writing his law on your heart and in your mind. That, that means God's nature, we're now partakers of the divine nature. So God's nature is now inside of you. That means his spirit is in you. Merry Christmas. I can't think of a greater gift. Okay, so if that's, if that's true then, have we, have we maybe missed the mark a little bit? Could it be that this whole thing is about simply following, falling and following more in love with Jesus? Could it be that simple? In so, so yesterday, Chelsea and I, we, we were on the airplane, and it was a pretty, I think intense is the right word to use, uh, moment that we had for about three and a half hours from, from uh, DFW Airport to PDX. And on the, on the flight, uh, when we got on, there was an eight-year-old boy uh, named Caden, and, and he was cussing and screaming and yelling and throwing stuff, like turn around in the seat was like trying to punch the lady behind him. It was getting really intense, and everybody on the plane was noticeably concerned, but yet nobody really uh, was, was understanding or loving. It was all, I need to get out of here, and it was all about themselves. Nobody took a moment to actually look at the boy and to look at the parents, and then to look at the people around. So I changed seats, I sat behind him, I actually was praying over him, I'm holding him in the seat, the flight attendants didn't know what to do. The people that were sitting next to me were actually trembling, like they were so shaken up, um, that their trembling turned into tears as they saw love expressed. 
the whole airplane changed. Then they moved me to another row to actually sit beside him and the mother. And then all of a sudden, uh, I found myself sitting in the center aisle, eight-year-old boy here asleep, mom standing there. Father came from the back of the plane with the cowboy hat. He's sitting next to me, like cowboy hat, not Dallas Cowboys, like an actual cowboy hat, sitting next to me. And I begin to walk him through Jesus at the door. And I get to the part when I pray for him. When I pray for him, I said, do you believe that Jesus is here? And he goes, sir, I have to believe that God is here. And I have to believe in Jesus because I'm looking in your eyes. I'm serious. The whole airplane changed. My girls just sat there in like the presence of God. They were like perfect. Noah didn't make a peep once. So it wasn't, it wasn't just that I was doing something. They, they, they saw supernatural love on display, but actually it was how my family acted and how Chelsea released me. The whole place just, like when we got off the plane, it was like a celebration. Oh, it's so good. And, and people be freaking out about the nativity scene. What if you became the nativity scene? Oh my gosh, they moved the nativity scene. Praise God, we're being persecuted. It's actually a promise from the Lord that you'll be persecuted. Thank you, Jesus, that Woodland has made it to this place that we can be persecuted and I can serve you in a more dark place. See, Jesus became, right? He humbled himself and became a baby, actually a seed, not even a baby, into Mary, right? And then was birthed in that stable. Actually, it was more like a cave. And it probably wasn't in December, but I don't want to mess up your story too much. And he was born in the stable, right? And laid in a, in a manger, right? What if you became the stable? What if you became the manger? What if when people saw you, they saw the nativity scene? What if when people looked in your eyes, they said, you know what? I can't not believe in God because I see him. Oh, so many more stories I could share, but we can't do it. So get this. John the Baptist comes on the scene in, in John 1, verse 29, and, and, and he makes this statement. He says, John 1, verse 29. Scott's going to like this. It says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, behave! The Son of God who will take away the sin of the world. Isn't that an amazing verse? See, the problem is, is the text doesn't say that, but many preachers preach that because they need you to be good. I don't need you to be good. I need you to fall in love with Jesus and you'll be good. Oh my gosh. I hope you get what I'm saying. John, John the Baptist comes on and say, Scott, behave, the son of God. No. What does he say? In the text, it's so clear. It says the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Oh my gosh. It has nothing to do with following a list of rules. It has everything to do with the Spirit of God getting in you and you being ruled by the greatest law, which is love. You see, Jesus didn't sin on the earth because he was God. He didn't sin on the earth because he was love. And he was so caught up with the Father and the Father is perfect love and where there's love, there's no selfishness. See, God is love. 
And so Jesus, 100% man, 100% God, is staring at perfect love. And because he was beholding the Father, he only did and said what the Father did and said. So because he was an expression of love, sin couldn't exist. Do you know that I don't wake up in the morning worried that I'm going to sin? See, on that airplane, when all of that was happening, there was these, these people with these laptops, and they were watching disgusting, terrible things. You know, there was not one moment in that where I thought, you know what, I think I'll trade the two beautiful young little girls in the back, that beautiful boy, baby Noah, my gorgeous wife, and this whole airplane being transformed into the image of God for that. Are you kidding me? But see, if, if we live as, as, as Christians that behave, then all of a sudden, uh, we, 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 like sin has more power over us than it should. I don't wake up worried that I'm going to sin. I wake up in love with Jesus. I don't go to bed at night like, oh man, I hope I don't click over to that on my phone. Are you kidding me? I have the presence of God living inside of me. He is life. He is life. And if, if I want to fully experience all the joy that this life has, it's going to be found with the author of life. Man, I, we just might need to have a praise break in a minute. Aaron, Aaron and I went to T.D. Jakes' church and it changed my life forever, forever and ever. So he didn't say behave, he said behold. Actually, as Christians, we can be more in love with Jesus and actually not live in fear of sinning. <laughs> if you saw his face, sin wouldn't be an issue. That almost sounds like People, I can hear your minds right now. Well, no, there's just no way. There's no way. Like, I struggle with this. It's, it's because all you're doing is beholding this. You're, all you're doing is beholding the sin. So, so it's, it's, oh, Pastor Scott, please, please help me. Please help me get rid of this greed. I need to get rid of this greed. Pastor Scott, Evangelist Scott, oh man of God, please help me get rid of this greed. I need to get this greed out of my life. Every Sunday I come and I want to get this greed out of my life. And all we do is, is we end up beholding that and then we end up becoming that, that thing that we don't want to become. Instead of looking at him and seeing him for who he is, everything changes. What if all Christianity was was falling in love with Jesus? What if all, of it, all it was was just delighting in him? Could it be that simple? It's probably simpler. I could probably have Mike come up here and say, actually, son, it's even more simple than that. We so overcomplicate it. Okay, get this. A lot of places I go, people will say, well, uh, Chris, do you listen to secular music? Do you watch these movies? Because they see that there's something different in my life. It's like my face glows and I never stop. Like Chelsea will tell you, this, it's like it's a problem. We just love Jesus everywhere. So they'll ask me, like, they want to come up with a plan to change their behavior so that they can have the same thing happen in their life. That's what they're doing. So, so like, should I not listen to secular music? Should I not watch this movie? Should I not this or that? I'm like, you got it all wrong. Like, number one, it's not about any of those things, but, but I only have so much capacity. Uh, like, if this is my capacity here, um, I'm going to fill it all up with the Word and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and worship. Thank you very much. You've only got so much capacity, so what you put in is what's going to come out. 
Okay, so, but I, I, I could care less if you listen to secular music, but if you're listening to secular music and watching movies that have compromise in it, and if you're drinking a little bit too much and smoking that thing a little bit too much and your face isn't shining, maybe you should change. Maybe you're beholding something that maybe you shouldn't be beholding. Like, I mean, but if you're walking around and you're just the image of Jesus everywhere you go and people are getting saved, healed, and delivered, and you're smoking pot, then sure, go for it. I just haven't seen it in my life, and I've traveled to 27 nations, I think 28. I, I, I'm not here to, like, be your best friend. Because what we want is, is we just want to, like, get the list and get the rules so we can figure this out so we can be a good Christian. It's not about being a good Christian. It's about falling in love with Jesus, beholding him, and becoming like him. That's what it's all about. So, so we're like, well, maybe I should just change this. Maybe you should just give everything to Jesus. It's actually what he asks of you. So, so catch this. Matthew 6, 22 says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if the eye is healthy, the whole body will be full of light. But if the eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You've only got so much capacity. I'm only going to watch things that make me fall more in love with Jesus. I'm only going to listen to things that, that, that make me fall more in love with Jesus. I'm only going to say things out of my mouth that just make me fall more in love with Jesus. It's all about beholding him. So the gospel, and, 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 and what, what is the gospel? The gospel is God offering his presence to man. Right now, you're in the presence of Chris Donald, whoop-de-doo. Who really cares, right? But since you're in the presence of Chris Donald, guess what? Chris Donald is there. Isn't that amazing? So when you're in the presence of God, guess what? God is there. Right? When you're in the presence of God, it means you're in the presence of the person of God, which means God himself is there. So the gospel is all about God. Right, and our number one core value in this church when we, when, when we took over um, four and a half, almost five years ago, uh, was the presence of God. And that being the core, the core value. So when you look at what the gospel is, it's Jesus coming and putting us back to the place that Adam and Eve were in the garden before the fall. Did you know that? Like he came to restore us back. So I want to go back to the beginning. And when I read back at the beginning in Genesis 2 verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Now, do you know that the only, the only uh, creature that God breathed life into was Adam, mankind? Made in God's image and God's likeness, right? Not, not the birds, not the fish, none of that, just man. So what was the first thing that Adam saw when he opened up his eyes? Be, be more specific, God's face. So what if what God restored us back to through the Christmas story was beholding the face of God himself? What if it had nothing to do with behaving and had everything to do with beholding? Oh man, it will set you free. 
It will set you free. Oh my gosh, it will set you free. It will make you just the happiest, most joy-filled, most loving, most caring. Just God, use me any way you want to use me, person on the planet. It will change the back of airplanes. It will, we were walking through a DFW. We stopped our whole family, and we began to pray over this man who fell off a ladder, and, and, he, and he cracked his skull up this way, and he can't hear, he can't taste, he can't really speak. And we began to pray and minister over him, and the power of God hit that place. They're crying. We're crying. Ellie's just like watching this whole thing go down. We go down and come back, and a man runs over to us. He says, hey, I watched what you did. That was supernatural. He goes, it so impacted me that I called my wife and my boss already and told them about it. <laughs> you think I would trade that for a picture on this? <laughs> I, I, I need to drive this home. I don't wake up in fear of sin. I don't, I don't wake up thinking, oh, God, keep me. I wake up and I behold him. And when I behold him, I begin to become like him. And then it's just a beautiful thing that takes place. The whole rest of the day is just awesome. Every day. So, so we read Genesis 2, verse 7. And then let's look at um, Acts 3, verse 17. The second time in, in the Bible where the gospel is, is preached, the first time was Acts 2, 38. But in Acts 3, 17, it says, Now, brothers, I know that you have acted in ignorance, as did um, your rulers, but when God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that he is Christ, that the Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back. Repent and turn back. Scott has taught me so much, but one of the things he says that has impacted me the most is you can be walking down the wrong road having heard the gospel and even believing that Jesus might be out there. See, those shepherds that night, they could have heard and they could have walked the wrong direction. But they heard and they made haste to go and see. So you can hear and kind of believe, but you don't really believe until you see. I mean, you might believe that Bigfoot's real, but I'm not going to believe you until you take me and show me that Sasquatch. I hope, I hope you just are picking up what the Spirit of God is just trying to get into your hearts this morning. So turn back. Isn't it amazing that, that it doesn't say, repent therefore and God will turn to you? It says repent and you turn to him because he's staring at you. His face is staring at your face. And so what happens the moment that you turn and begin to pursue God is you realize that you're actually being pursued and what happens when two things pursue each other? Collision. We, we, we make it about, I'm chasing after God. No, you're not. If you're chasing after God, you're doing it wrong. I don't chase after him. I turn to him and wow, he is pursuing me. You know, Todd always says, that, oh, the ways of God are mysterious. No, they're not. There's nothing mysterious about God. He says the mystery that's been hidden for the ages is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, the Lord, he's just mysterious. No, he laid it out plainly for us. 
It's all about beholding. It's all about seeing. It's all, it's all about turning and having that collision. When you begin to pursue him and he begins to pursue you, he's like that friend that you see and they start running towards you and you're like, you almost feel like you want to run and turn the other because you know when, when they hit you with that hug, Ruth, you know you're just going to hit the ground. You know that kind of Ruth type of hug that squeezes the life right out of you. And everybody says, amen. How about this scripture? In Psalms 34, verse 5. Those who look to him are radiant. <laughs> Those that follow all the rules, they're radiant. Those that look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. What, what if it's all about looking? Now, I want to leave you with something practical. Like, I don't want you to walk out of here and go, okay, I need to behold God, but I have no clue how to do that. Because I understand that a lot of people actually have never even uh, been taught what it looks like to behold God because we come into church after church service and, and we just get a good message and then we leave and we think that that message is supposed to sustain us. But really, I hope all this message is doing is making you want to go into your secret place and behold Him. Actually, my only job in life as, as a pastor, an evangelist, a minister, whatever you want to title me as, is to make you so hungry for God that you have an encounter with Him yourself. That's it. I, I don't have, you can have none of my or Chelsea's relationship with God. Go get your own. And all of a sudden, you won't need a title. You won't need a stage or a microphone or a or, or hundred likes on Facebook. All you need is Him. Because in Him, in the presence of God, is the fullness of joy. In His right hand are pleasures forevermore. It doesn't say that when you go to your pastor's house, that's where the joy is and that's where the pleasure is. It's God. But we're chasing everything but Him. We make it all about what He can give us and we don't make it about Him. Oh, man. So how does this practically work out? If you guys give me nine more minutes, I'll be done right at 1240. Sound good? Some of you believe me, some of you don't. Watch and see. No. What does it look like to behold God? This is what it looks like. Every morning I wake up at 5 a.m. It doesn't matter what time you wake up in the morning. I recommend the morning, it can be the evening. It doesn't matter about the time spent, it matters about connection because God is outside of time. God wants to connect with you. If you can connect with God in five minutes, pray for me, because it takes me an hour. But I'm not, I'm not against somebody that spends 30 minutes with the Lord or 20 or 15, but if you're connecting with him, your face ought to be shining. I better not hear more grumbling and complaining and arguing coming out of your mouth because I'll guarantee you, your sin issue is linked to your lack of beholding. So don't tell me that you're connecting with him if you're living in guilt, shame, and condemnation. You're not. Do you know that that day when, when, when that woman was walking and she came up and grabbed a hold of Jesus' robe, Right, and he felt virtue, power, leave his body. Do you know that what the disciples said? They said this, Master, you're in a crowd of thousands of people. 
Hundreds of people are touching you. Do you know that you can go to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and be brushing up against the Son of God and never actually have him for yourself? All you have is have heard what other people have told you. Milk, listen, get this, milk is this. Milk is what comes to you every time a preacher preaches. You can't get meat from a preacher. You can only get milk. Because see, it's like a cow. A cow eats food. I learned something on the dairy farm. It eats the food. The food goes into it. Milk comes out of the cow. What you're getting from me is only so good. I'm eating meat. You're getting milk. You see it? Chelsea eats meat, Noah gets milk. But Noah is going to grow up into maturity, and one day that little boy is going to eat his steak. I, I really need you to get this. You can't, I got to go to a better church where I can hear a better preacher preach a message so I can get some meat. You cannot get meat from a preacher. All you can get is milk. Go and buy your own steak. How do you do that? It's called discipline. But all of a sudden, discipline becomes devoured by delight. I hope you hear what I'm saying. This is really, really good. If you grabbed a hold of this message, it would change your Christian life forever. This is the gospel bottom line. No frills. This is it. So what does it look like? Every morning I wake up at 5. And, and I get my journal out, my cup of coffee. Noah's been waking up at like 4.45 and 5, so he's been doing it with me. But he's good. He just sits in his swing, and I read the word over him. That boy's going to change the world. So I wake up, get my coffee, and I write down four things. Say four. I'm going to give these things to you really quick. Four things I write down in my journal every morning. I write down, sit down. Okay? Let's talk about that first. When Jesus fed the 5,000, what was the first thing he said to do? Sit. It's very hard to feed your kids when they don't sit at the table. What do we tell Ellie and Abby every day? Come and sit down. And Abby's just like... I'm like, Chelsea, find an excuse for me to spank that child. Oh, you're obeying me just enough. I need to find a reason to spank your little butt. <laughs> it's true. You spank her, everything changes for about an hour. Okay. Then I got to find another reason. So sit down. You, you've got to sit down. Now, now get this. Psalms 23 says, says this. Well, let me, let me tell this real quick. There's... There's a story out there about these two men that were sitting in the front row of a church. The young man gets up, the young preacher, he gets up, he comes up on the stage, and he opens up Psalms 23, and he begins to preach it in his preacher voice. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the place is going crazy, people are standing up, they're throwing chairs and pews, and it's just like all revival's breaking up. Then he goes and he sits down and he feels all proud of himself, and then the old man gets up, and he walks up on the stage, finally makes it over the whole place is kind of bored before he even gets there and he says the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures 
begins to read through the psalm and not one dry eye in the whole church. Everybody's crying. Their lives are being changed. The old man goes and sits down next to the young preacher. And the young man says, what's different between you and me? And the old man says, you know the psalm. I know the shepherd. I don't want to know the psalm, Mike. I want to know the shepherd. Like, I've watched your life, and I said, there's something different about him. See, because, see, he knows the shepherd. I don't want to be the young preacher that gets up and preaches a message and all this excitement happens in the room. I want there to be transformation when people hear the word preached. So when you see this where it says, sit down, these are my rules of engagement with God. Many of you need to sit down, and your prayer needs to be Psalms 23, verse 2. Make me. He needs to make you sit down. It's the only way that he can feed you. Then the next word that I write is worship. Again, these are the rules of Chris Donald's engagement with the Lord. Worship. Because what you behold is what you become. And, and we gave this analogy of, oh, p -p -p Evangelist Scott, I just need to be free from this lust. And you walk around all day long talking about what you need to be free from. No doubt you're going to struggle with that. That's why God commands you to worship him because he knows that what you behold is what you will become. So instead of beholding your problem, you actually live a life of thankfulness. It's not like, it's not like a magic trick. Thankfulness, let's just have a time of thankfulness to the Lord. God, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my car. Thank you for my cow. No, that's not thankfulness. Thankfulness is an act of worship when you get your eyes off of your issues and you put them on God. Oh, Jesus, I thank you that when I was 18 years old, God, you had my hand be stuck to that Bible. I thank you, God, that when I was 18, three months later, I was in that meeting and I got filled with the Holy Spirit and power. God, I thank you for everything that you, and I begin to put all of my attention, all of my focus, and all of a sudden, my thankfulness turns to adoration and my adoration to pure worship. Because all of a sudden, I'm not coming to God with a list of rules and things that, that I need to follow. I'm coming to him as a beloved son. Worship. Psalms 96 verse 9 says this. Worship the Lord in, in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Second to last one, listen. It's listen. So sit down, worship, and then be quiet. Psalms 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. He's got a lot better things to say to you than you have to say to him. A lot more that he wants to say to you than you say to him. And the last one is rest. So the rules of engagement. So you wake up in the morning, tomorrow morning. Okay, I got 20 minutes. You get your coffee, you sit down, and you spend 19 of those minutes giving thanks to him. Thank you. And you begin to behold him, and you watch what happens to your day. Don't do it in your mind. Actually speak it out of your mouth, so then your mind will actually be renewed. Don't let your mind go here and go there. Actually speak it out of your mouth. Then you rest. You sit in the rest of God. There's nothing that you can do to get to heaven. There's nothing you can do to get heaven into you. It's all through him and you resting in him. So Hebrews 4, the last scripture, 
says this, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we have also had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. Say, just as they did. You've had the same message preached to you a hundred times that I've had preached to me. Everybody has equal opportunity to partake in the rest of God. But masses of people miss it. Because they heard, as the shepherds did, but they didn't make haste to see. If I said to Jeffrey, Jeffrey, next year, December, let's see, what's, what's the date today? Somebody help me, the 16th? Next year, December 16th, I'm going to give you $2 million if every day you spend two hours with the Lord. I guarantee you Jeffrey's going to spend two hours a day with the Lord. I bet you every single one of you would. So my question to your heart is this. Is it about the $2 million that motivates you, or is it about the person of Jesus Christ? Do we believe what the psalmist David wrote when he says, your words are sweeter than wine, they're more precious than gold? Is it the money that motivates you, or is it the person of Jesus Christ? So he says this, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. You won't obey when you're behaving because if you're behaving, you're just trying to make it by. You actually can't hear the voice of God to obey because you're so busy beholding, uh, behaving and trying to follow the rules that you become legalistic in everything you do. Because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed, now we who have believed or have seen enter the rest, just as God had said. Will you guys stand with me? I'm going to read this scripture one more time. And I'm going to pray for you, and Jonathan's going to come up and close. Okay. So you hear Hebrews 4. And you hear how it says that they heard the same message, but they didn't make haste to see. And then you go back to Luke 2.20, and it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It's all about hearing and seeing. It's all about beholding. Now, real quick, with every eye open and every head up, if you're here this morning and you've never made a decision for Jesus... You've never said, God, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to invite you just to raise your hand with me, if that's you. I'm just going to take a moment. Is there anybody that's... And if, if you're not bold enough to raise that hand now, there's going to be a ministry team over here in a minute. You can come speak to them or you can come see me and we'll pray with you. Now I want to pray real quick in closing that that our Christian life, would there be a shift this holiday season, that we'd go from behaving, from 
Should I watch that movie? Should I not watch that movie? Should I listen to this song? Should I not listen to that song? Should I drink that? Should I not drink this? Should I let the list go on and on? To actually having it be about beholding him. Because I guarantee you when you behold him, all those things become very clear. Close your eyes with me. Father, I thank you for this message. God, I thank you that it's simple. I thank you, Lord, that all we have to do is fall in love with the person of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that every word that I spoke from the word and was truth in it, God, that, it, that they would remember it. But any word that I spoke or anything that I said that wasn't of you, God, I just pray, Lord, that it would just fall to the ground. God, I pray that each and every person that heard this message today would be inspired to go into the secret place with you to begin to eat the meat of the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, that was so good. Let us all be living nativity scenes together. Amen.